Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Greetings, gardening friends. It's good to be here on a very warm day. We shall not complain. Today's show is sponsored by Soil Solver, Landscape Industries Association Product of the Year. Answer lies in the soil. And our lines are open. We're ready to roll. The team is here. Bev Daring, John Glidden, our number 94841927. We can accept your emails as well, your questions, your comments by email by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. And a big shout out to our Alan Simons for the breakfast program. He always puts a different twist on breakfast and I like his interesting around Australia news updates as well. Just gives you a little bit of an overview as you're driving along. I really enjoy that, Alan. And Alan was supported by none other than our long-serving volunteer, Rob Miller. Not forgetting our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. And Jim will join you next week and also for the classic 70s at 10am. Faye Caro. Good morning, Ray. Nice to be here. It is. What a busy gardening week, getting ready for the I think sizzle so. of summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we're all sort of thinking, oh, it really is going to actually happen and come. And we're starting to think we need to get everything ready uh, for summer, even though we talk about it. We've had these low temperatures for so long. And I think this has just been the kick in the pants that I, so, I know that I've needed <laughs> to start really... Ramping it up. Ramping it up. Ramping it up. And I think that, yeah, I have been out late hosing and keep trying to make sure. I I am a strong believer in prevention is better than cure. Uh, I do like to be one step ahead and know to protect my plants as much as I can from the heat. We have to do it. We go from one extreme to another. Our temperatures are very extreme here in Perth. And uh, one minute we're trying to deal with, uh, I don't know, wind and rain and damage from from all of that. And then the next minute we don't seem to have our little seasons in between, do we, very much. We we just catapult don't we from one uh, I don't know this year we had an amazing spring it just was interspersed with rain and Mm. sunshine and Mm. the gardens seemed to hang on for longer I I loved every minute of it Mm. and I'd like it to stay Mm. (laughs) I got lots done but the weeds kept coming yeah and now suddenly it's summer and it's like okay Double check the sprinklers. So I've been doing that this week. Yeah, retick very important. It, it sure yeah. is, and it's not just making sure that the retick is actually functioning properly in itself. It's what is inhibiting it mm-hmm. because we've had plants. a lot of growth. Yeah, plants get and, in the way, and we've got pruning to do and mm. hedging and weeding and mulching and feeding and keeping up with the water. But it's I, a labour of love. It really is. Well, it is. We're, all, I, we're all mad. Yeah. I love being on the end of the hose oh, and yeah. and just soaking it all up, being immersed in the garden and mm-hmm. watching things happen. Change, change. And you know what happened, mm. Ray? I flicked the sprinklers on the other morning. It was, it was about quarter past six, I think. Mm. And I was standing on the deck and... 
and I witnessed a little marsupial hop across the garden. The mm. size of a mouse, mm. but mouses tend to run. Yeah, you know, they, they're, they're, mm. they Unless Scuttle. they're being chased. Yeah. This actually bounced across the garden almost like a kangaroo on small scale. And mm. I'm, I'm so thrilled. What was it? Well, we don't know yet, <laughs> but I do have a trap cam that I could set up and mm, monitor. See who he is. Uh, it could be an antichinus or a dunart uh, or something along those lines. Mm. So, Or a honey possum. How mm. exciting would that be? Well, see, when you're up at that time of the day, you do see more. The early mm. bird catches the worm, right? The old saying. And, and also when... The, the light changes at the end of the day. Yeah. But, you know, I just love that I work so hard at maintaining habitat mm. that to find something, the yeah. X factor yeah. in my garden. Yeah, yeah. that's is, the reward. Yeah, yeah. it's like it yeah. gives me a buzz. It, it Maybe it is a mouse. Maybe it's a native <laughs> mouse. That's okay. Yeah. yeah, The fact that it's alive and well, bouncing around in my garden. Makes you is, happy. Fantastic, yes. And we've got some great chats lined up today. Uh, 20 past eight, we're speaking to Heath Oakley. Now, Heath is the executive manager of Rich Grow, and we're talking about potting mixes today and what makes a good mix and uh, how to choose the right one for your plants. Then we're crossing at five past nine to Dr. Daryl Hardy. He's the senior entomologist at Deep Herd. We're talking about the shot hole borer. Lots of uh, updates around that to come. And also at half past nine, we're having a chat with our, our Trevor Gay from Sunnyvale Wholesale Nursery and see, see what he's got to say, what's sizzling out there for summer and veggies and what we need to know about what's coming through, what's going to be available in the nurseries, what we should be planting. Only four weeks to go till Christmas, Ray. Yes. Are you a Christmas girl? I think you are. Oh, well, I do the lunch like Everybody in the family knows it's Christmas lunch. lunch. So like, you either be there or... Be square. Be square, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so I do that. I used to like to set up the tree on the 1st of December so the children will gather around and help in whatever way they can to be involved. And it'd be nice if I had things wrapped, ready to go under the tree. I reckon I might be halfway done. I went out not in the... Black, black Friday. Right. No, Madness. that's yeah. just... Why would you want to go with everyone else? Oh, horrendous. So mm. I went Tuesday. I'm, I'm and... actually prepared to pay full price <laughs> <laughs> and shopping comfort. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. Well, yeah. I, do, I do wonder about stock levels, though. Yeah, yeah, whether they can actually support what they're promoting. Mm. Yeah, it's just but, to get people into the into the shops. But the, the Christmas gifts I've got so far, they're consumables, clothes and... You know what people need when they're growing into different sizes. Well, you've got and... little little grandchildren running around, oh, haven't you? So you've got lots to buy for. They'll five, be five, yeah. and they'll want to swim in the pool. They'll have sleepovers. They've got to help Nana in the garden, so they all need their boots and hats and yeah, sun yeah. cream, mozzie. It's really spray. about the kids, right? Dear me. Well, no, I don't know. You like I think a, it's... you like a prezi at Christmas. I'm I'm not open fussed, to it. But... But I have written a little list, Ray. I, I, you know, when I'm gardening, what would make my life easy? Well, I know a couple of years ago I said I'd like a hose for Christmas. I never got it. Right. I never got it. So this year, and I still don't have my hoses. And every time I pull a hose out, I curse. 
I'm buying my own hoses for myself. I buy my own birthday presents these days. We just go, okay, we've got everything we need. We just go out and buy what we want. And that's what I'll be buying. Well, hoses. get it and wrap it. And <laughs> I, I want feedback on it. Yeah. Um, last weekend, I went to the Garden of Ross Burnett, which yes. was the last open garden. And it was specky, huh? It, it was. It was a feast for the eyes. And mm. I now want clippers. Oh, yeah, I understand if you don't go too crazy. I don't mind a little bit of topiary garden. I don't like to see a whole garden done that way. It it was amazing. It needs to you, be done tastefully. And it didn't all have, well, it wasn't all topiary. It was mm. maintained. Mm. Little silver plants, you know, three balls together. Yeah, just, just well, like I came there. home, Ray, and I started hedge trimming. Did you? I've got balls of um, polygala now. Oh. Because I've always liked that style in amongst the mixed shrubbery. Yeah, I think so. And it keeps things in check. And the birds love to hide in those tight balls. Mm. Um, yeah, it just, it's something else that you can add to your garden. And I, I believe that clipping is on trend oh so i'm wondering you know the clippers i've got are not they're not very good mm. i think you need good clippers like ones, ones that you don't battery, have or well, would you do it by hand probably both mm. um but ones that you don't have to keep tightening that nut every time you do yeah, a cut yeah 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 okay Just putting that out there yeah no it's out there mm. all right let's go out there to parkwood george good morning Good morning. Um, I've got a little berry uh, bush growing up in a pot plant. It uh, came up beautifully. We've been picking off the berries and it seems to have gone wild now with growing more bush and bush. And I wasn't too sure whether I can leave it there or the aspect of moving it into my garden to create a big tree of it. I don't know how it grows. Okay. I'm not very good at it. George, is it a blueberry? I think so, yes. The okay. fruit is very blue. Yes. Well, you, you have a choice. You can either keep it in a pot, and if if you are going to do that, I would suggest that you go to the next size pot and buy yourself some potting mix that is designed for acid-loving plants. So camellias and azaleas particularly would like yeah. the same sort of mix. Um, that is one of the keys to blueberries because they do like acidic soil. Uh, and many people would probably say your best bet is in the pot because you can control the pH. If you put it into the garden, you need to put it into an an area where it is a little bit protected, probably not full sun. Once again, that's the benefit of a pot because you can put it in the best location. You prune after flowering and fruiting, which sounds like your berries are finished. You take out any old, dead and dying wood and give it a a trim. So you can do that with hedges or secateurs and that yep. will encourage more growth. And then when it's time for it to fruit again, you will get m- much more growth, much more fruit. Good. My wife's lifting her in the other room. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's game enough to get up and talk on the phone, sound like an idiot, but... Uh, I'm a no, not at all, like, George. Right, so it's all steel thumbs. <laughs> We're all idiots together, George. Don't you worry about that, yep. love. Yeah. No, and you know, the thing too, George, is what you're experiencing, many other people would as well. So they will be uh, yeah. taking yep. that on board and going, okay, I'll head out and I'll get myself some 
acidic potting mix and this morning we're going to talk to Heath from Rich Grow so we can yep. talk about the potting mix is designed specially for different plants and why it's important. Right, good. Thanks very much. The, the actual pot I've got is roughly 15 by about 18 high. So you need to go bigger than that? Or... Well, depending on how long it has been in that pot for. Right, it's only been this year. In fact, everyone says, how can you have blueberries when it came through? I I don't know. It's just one of those things, a fluke, I think. Oh, no, I think you know a bit about what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. So you suggest getting a bigger pot then? Well, have a look at the the roots. Definitely in the long term. Now's not a bad time to do it. Um, And also, you know, liquid feeds or or seaweed conditioners are also very helpful. So with pots, you want to make sure that the water isn't just draining through. And that is the thing. If a plant has been in a pot for a long time, it can exhaust the potting mix. You pour in the water and the water all runs through. Yes, I understand what you're meaning there. Yes. So you check the condition of the potting mix. So you'll be the best one to understand if that's happening. And also yep. a saucer is helpful at this time of year. Yeah. Good. Thanks yeah. very much. Much appreciated for your help. A yeah. pleasure, no, George. Go well. Good. Cheers yep. for that. Do. Thanks very much. Bye. Okay, bye. And Ellen and Linda have phoned in and they're thinking that your little critter was a Quenda bandicoot, which is the same He's the same critter. And, of course, what you're talking about is a lot smaller than that. Much smaller. Much, we, much smaller. Mouse have, size. We have an abundance of bandicoots yeah. running around. They come up onto the back veranda. Yeah. Um, this was mouse size. So, be, you know, it just it didn't fit the category of your, your pest mouse to yeah, me. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I'm allergic to It's just to the way them. he moved even. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, he, he did hop. Yeah. So, and I know John around the corner mm. had something in their garden that had bigger back legs. Yeah, okay. So they, they hop. Yeah. There are different things out there. They're rarely seen. Uh, other people have talked about sightings they've had. Mm. We don't have photos yet, but perhaps I need Work to put that it. trap cam out in that area yeah, and not interfere know. with the garden too, too much now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's go to Beachborough. Terence, good morning. Yes, good morning, my dear. How are you? Really well, thank you. That's great. Look, I've got a Ponciana tree growing on uh, my front yard on the verge. It's approximately, well, I think we've had it for six, and then the landscaper had it for another tree, and he grew it from a seed somewhere in Kananara Way. And when he got relocated to Perth, he brought that one plant with him Wow. And uh, I bought it off him, right? Now it's it's a huge, big, absolutely beautiful umbrella. It's just like a straight stalk and then this beautiful, yeah. beautiful, beautiful canopy. But it has not flowered yet. Now what can I do? Every time I go past the corner of Winston Street and Charles <laughs> Street in North Perth there, and when I Get see these beautiful rows of Ponciana <laughs> There with all these beautiful red flowers. Mm. Oh, gee, I always say, gee, when is my tree going to sort of have those red flowers? Yeah. So is there anything, my question to you is, is there anything I can do to uh, uh, hasten the growth uh, of flowers? There there are things, Terence. but first I'll, I'll ask you, 
How long has it been in and how big is it? Well, it's, uh, it's, we've had it in our garden for about six or seven years. And the landscaper told me when I bought it off him, it was about three or four years. So approximately, I would say it's around about nine or ten years old. Okay. Uh, it's got a trunk. Uh, the second fence of the trunk would be, well, if I, if I took a ruler and bent, a one-foot ruler and bent it, it'll be about that. The girth would be about that. Oh, and okay. it would be about three or four meters tall. Okay. All right. It it sounds yes. Well well established. It's a mature tree. It's a mature tree. Okay. Well, plant health is very important. So if it is in a lawn area and you're fertilizing the lawn, then mm-hmm. that is probably getting high higher nitrogen fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that goes into leaf growth. When we want to encourage something to flower, we're looking for more of a balanced fertilizer that contains potassium, but also phosphorus. So try okay, and find yeah, yeah. Uh, a controlled release fertilizer for flowering and fruiting plants, trees mm-hmm. especially, and that is something you can do. Now, what we'll do after the break, we'll come back with the answer on how old these trees would have to be before they flower. So we'll get John to look that up now, okay? Okie dokie. Thank right. you for that. Thanks for your call, it's, Terrence. It's extremely healthy. It's extremely yes. healthy. Yes. Every branch uh, on the umbrella has got new sprouts coming up, uh, and there's no dead wood, no nothing. It's just very, very, very healthy. Yep, that's great. I, th- I think it's getting the lawn fertiliser. Yes, yes, okay. I guess so. I All guess right, so. we'll be back after the break. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. You Thanks. too. Thanks, Bye. Terrence. Bye-bye. Okay, and uh, Terry and Alex and Graham, uh, we will be crossing to our first guest this morning. Uh, So stay with us. Uh, We know you're there and we hope you enjoy the interview on the other side of this. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. It's 24 minutes after eight. And as discussed earlier, we are now going to have a chat with the executive manager of Richgrow, Heath Oakley. Heath, good morning. You're with Rain Faye. How are you? G'day, Rain Faye. I'm great. How are you going today? <laughs> we <Busy>. don't. <laughs> we don't mean to rhyme. Just happens that way. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we've already had a call this morning, Heath, about growing blueberries in pots, and I thought oh, wow. we're speaking to the perfect person this morning. Oh, good. <laughs> When's he coming on? Oh, he's been on and, uh, oh, the perfect person. Right, we've got him right now. <laughs> yeah, so if you're growing blueberries in pots, um, what what sort of potting mix would you recommend for that? Uh, it's a really good question. Blueberries are obviously an acidic-loving plant, so you can buy a specific um, potting mix for that. But if we talk broadly about potting mixes, uh, a premium potting mix is always the best one to get. And I'm sure... Your listeners and, and those who listen to you weekly um, are probably sick of people saying to buy premium potting mix, but I see so many people buy, um, you know, spend 200 300 a lot of money on plants, and blueberries aren't cheap to buy as, as plants no. as well. And that gentleman with a lovely established tree, I'm sure at some stage cost a bit of money, and then put in, in, a, in a probably an inferior quality potting mix where... Um, you really should be spending that little bit extra and putting in a premium potting mix because it gives your plant the best start um, that you can. So, How can you tell if it's a premium potting mix? 
Uh, it's pretty easy. We've got we've got an Australian standard um, under uh, SIO Global, and there's three standards for potty mix. So if you look for the red tick um, quality assurance standard, and you see that in a lot of products as well, but on potty mix, there's actually two standards. There's a black tick potty mix, which means it meets a certain nutrient value and a certain um, acidity, pH, and a certain electrical conductivity. And I'm going to get a bit technical there, but basically we test every batch um, here at Richgrow, and I know other businesses do to meet those standards, and they have to fall within certain ranges. Now, in order to get a better red tick potty mix, it has a high nutrient value, has a tighter range in pH and EC, and has a, a specific amount of ingredients that it needs to meet in terms of um, creating a better potty mix. By definition, a potty mix is something that just holds a plant. So, yeah. you know, technically sand is a potty mix, but you need you would never put sand in a pot. And please, I don't do, no listeners do that um, mm. because you need air, you need moisture flow, you need um, nutrients, you need all these sort of um, goodies for your plant to have the best start in life. And, and by nature, when you're potting a plant, you, you're causing it a bit of stress. Um, you're taking out of its natural environment and where it was and where it's been comfortable. And often if you buy it at a nursery or a hardware store, it's been watered three or four times a day. Um, so you really want to give it the best chance it can to a, into a, a premium potty mix. Give it um, a, a small dose of sort of a fish fertiliser or a, a seaweed-based fertiliser when you, when you plant it. And some at Rich Grow or some other... Um, potty mixes do have that already in, included in your potty mixes so whilst you have a red tick potty mix you can also look and spe- specify for something like blueberries you can look for a fruit and citrus mix which might be formulated a little bit differently for those plants needs so when when people pot on their plants how long before so they they have to fertilize again if there's fertilizer in the mix how long will that last no, I, I wouldn't fertilise immediately. Um, most of the, the um, red tick potty mixes and premium have a controlled release fertiliser. So um, look in the bag; they vary. They vary by um, type. Some are four months, some are for six months. Now, if you're if you're using a flowering and fruiting plant, um, it is always a good idea to give it some liquid fertiliser or another controlled release fertiliser when it's flowering and fruiting, like that gentleman you just talked about before, a balanced fertiliser. Think of the controlled release in the potty mix as, as your constant meal. It's feeding the plant slowly, um, control release fertiliser breaks down, do moisture and heat. So in days like today where we're watering your pots a little bit more in the heat, you're probably mm. um, breaking down the fertiliser quicker. Yeah. Um, that, that's a constant sort of feed for the plant. We'll keep it healthy. But if you really want your plants to flower and fruit, and we've had a late spring um, here and they're starting to really go now, um, don't be afraid to give it a bit of... Um, extra liquid fertiliser especially or some more controlled release to do that. But certainly when you're potting a plant and it's certainly seedlings and smaller plants, um, only a little bit of a seaweed tonic or a, a small amount of fish fertiliser, I'm talking 20 mils in, in sort of nine litres of water, just to help um, what we call transplant shock and minimise that from the plant I, going I, to its new home. A wise friend of mine once said, the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. And... I, I've tested that theory out myself with, with a single bulk choy that came out of a seedling punnet and I put it into a big pot and I got a giant bulk choy. And, of course, with the temperatures that we're getting at the moment, the pots are drying out very quickly. So if you've got a bigger pot and you, it just it saves you a bit of time, you're not having to water it as often. Yeah, and, and potting mix is, is one of the most hydrophobic um, 
mediums we've got and mm. it's just in, in the way that it's created. So a really good potty mix is made from a lot of composted ingredients. So we compost the ingredients down and that could be something from um, pine bark, which is a premium sort of mix. With um, You can get timber waste, you can get sawdust, you can use things like coir peat. But in, in nature, and, and what makes a potty mix good is it's still breaking down, it's still composting, it's got all that really good microbial activity. Um, what that does is form bacteria around some of the, the particles and creates a um, becomes hydrophobic. So the premium potty mixes do have um, a soil wetter in it, and, and I'm sure here in Western Australia, we, we especially in our water-wise, we've been really well educated in the value yeah. of the soil wetter, mm. um, especially on our lawns and our sandy soils, but your pots are your most important things, and hanging baskets. Yeah. Whilst you, you water a pot and you see the water fall out the bottom and go, oh, it's had enough, so it's actually going down the side of the pot and not actually touching mm. the roots. So mm. a re- really good practice is get a potty mix with a soil wetter in it, but also top it up, especially in a hot day like this, add a little bit of a soil wetter, um, see it actually absorb, move away the potty mix around your roots and see if the water's actually in its wet underneath. If it's not, then you, you've got a problem. So what sort of potting mixes do people have choices of? Um, I, I mean, we we like to keep it pretty simple. A, a premium potting mix will pot most things. It's got the nutrients you need. It's got the, the, the acidity. It's got your electrical conductivity um, ratios. It's got the controlled release. It's got the fertiliser. It's got all the all the goodies. Now, if you really, really want to be specific, and something like a blueberry is a good example, where where it can be, um, might need the pH to be a bit lower. Lower or higher? I was going to be confused with that. Lower. Lower. Um, you mm. can, yeah, you can use, you can use something like a rose and gardenia mix, which which require that as well, and that's been formulated a little bit differently, and the pH has been balanced to to give those plants the best start in life. You're really you're really working around the fringes there. If you buy a really good potty mix, then then you're you're well ahead in, in whatever anyway, you do. Anyway, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, you got things like indoor potty mixes. Now, we've had great success with our potty mixes. Just they're the same. Um, sometimes the indoor potty mix doesn't need as much um, water. You don't want to overwater indoor plants, so you know you want a little bit more perlite or coir peat which holds the moisture but you don't need as much a little bit more airflow through those things so you can really specify for the plants you need but if you're buying a, a premium red tick potting mix you can't really go wrong fantastic no and that's interesting that you say rose and gardenia for the blueberries because i was thinking chameleon azalea so yes different different terminology or different labeling yeah. For the same yeah, sort of yeah. product, yeah, and, and we're, I think we're thinking of the same sort of product there. Mm. Um, you know, something that those those acid-loving um, plants um, really enjoy would, would work really well in your blueberries. And and Heath, I've 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 heard also that um, as an industry, there's going to be is it going to be happening now a shortage in the industry of uh, products like pine, etc., that you use to make uh, the base of potting mixes, etc. Uh, what's happening on the landscape going forward with all of that? Yeah, I, I guess it, as an industry, we're in a bit of a conundrum because yeah. we, we promote gardening, we promote closing the loop. Um, the, the products we use are, do come from um, places like pine plantations, which mm. is a renewable resource. Now, pine, pine plantations take 20 years to grow, mm. <laughs> and timber timber in, in itself is, is becoming in short supply of building, imports, um, COVID. There's, there's been a lot yeah. of factors in that. So a lot of mills have, sh- have shut down. We're importing a lot of timber now. So the actual byproduct and waste product is... Um, is becoming of short supply. So we have to we have to look at what's going on around the world. This isn't a new phenomenon, um, and and 
move with the time. So things like um, your, your urban your urban waste and your timber, so pine bark in itself is just a timber product. So mm-hmm. we're looking at what we can do in urban waste and, and those things that you put in sort of your green bin. So I encourage anyone who's got a green bin or then to only put green waste in there. Um, and nothing else, and, and those those one day may end up in your coming back and, and feeding your plants. The other the other issue we have um, coming up is we use a lot of sawdust as a base. Um, it yeah. really composts really well. It's a byproduct of the timber industry, and, and we're reusing that product. Now, I um, mean, in the recent state government announcement, old growth forests are going going to stop um, logging through Western Australia, which is fantastic for the environment, and we fully support that at Rich Grow, but it will put a pressure on the, the availability of sawdust and, and what we do going forward. So there's challenges there, but we're, we're well ahead. We're, we're very much um, dealing, working with, um, in collaboration with the soil scientists at UWA, and Dr. Bede Micken there leads, leads the charge for UWA and, and Rich Grow, if I can say that. Yeah. And we're looking at different ways and testing different um, methodologies. So in, 20, in a couple of years, your potty mix might feel and look similar, but we're using um, better, yeah. more sustainable ingredients. Fantastic. <clears throat> Very interesting. An issue coming up. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, Heath? It, there is an, it is an issue that will, will yeah. come up, especially here in Western China. Where they are clearing land, often we see piles of um, green waste piled up. Do, what happens to that? Does that get recycled? Yes, it does. Yes, okay. and then that that can form parts of um, of your potting mix. And we're, we're, what we're trialling now is this urban urban timber and waste. If it's clean and and coming from usually those sort of sources, it composts really well and actually has a high nitrogen uh, nutrient value um, because of the green leafy material in there. So mm. it acts very similar. And some of our trials that we're going through the UWA is, is seeing the, the response and the growth responses that we get from some of these materials um, that are newish, who haven't been in the industry, so, so pine bark's been there for 30 years, to see what the actual response is. Um, and we're, we're pretty excited with the results so far. Thank you very much, Heath. Very, very interesting. And yeah. we'll keep our listeners posted as time goes on. Yeah, I'm happy to have a chat about potting mix at any time, and it's a great, um, great day to go out and pot your plants, in, probably in the verandas, and, and give your hanging baskets a good drink. That's, yeah, absolutely. I seem to be Very saying that tip. every week. We'll mm. pot it on, put it into the next size pot. The bigger, the better. Well, uh, we, we, we've had a late spring. We've had lots of rain, so yeah. the, the gardens. The gardens should be looking good at this time of year. They certainly are. And so, hey, thank you very, very much. And we will be speaking again with you, hopefully, in the new year. And uh, all the best to you and the team at, at Richgrove. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Ray. Okay, you guys take care. Thank you. Cheers for that. Very nice guy, isn't he? And very informative. And uh, they're really, uh, what's the word, setting the benchmark, aren't they? Yes, we, I know that Heath is home with his family today rather than coming into the studio. And I think I could hear them in the background there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, straight back out to the lines. Who's been waiting the longest? That will be Alex. Good morning. Hi, Alex. Thanks for waiting. Yeah. Alex, that's me. Yes, that's how you. can we help you? How are you going? Good. Oh, I was just absorbed by that man, Heath. He had a lot of interesting and truthful yeah. things to say. Yeah. What a great guy. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, my question was about um, growing a jasmine up a wall and with this warm weather and when the actual wall heats up itself, how does how do I kind of save the new growth from getting almost baked 
by the temperature that the wall heats up with. Oh, well, put it this way, Alex, a 35-degree week is not the week to plant it. Um, is yeah. it a tin wall or a brick wall or wood? It, it's kind of a, a rendered, it's almost uh, Portuguese with its archways. I'm trying to grow it over this arch, but it, it's not a new planting. It's been it's been in the pot for about three years. And, um, yeah, put out a bunch of new growth about last week, and okay. it all just okay. died with the heat that it got this weekend and today. Right. Is there a chance of you putting it into the ground? Oh, yeah, there is There is a chance. All right. It, the thing is, when you're growing in pots and you've got hot, hot walls and pots heating up, they're drying out quicker. It's possible that with the heat that we've had this week and the fact that the roots yeah. are all in a pot above ground, if it's a black pot, that pot will be heating up. Terracotta pot? terracotta pot they dry out because they're porous and so there's the the moisture that's available to that plant is really limited if you can put that pot in the ground the new shoots will have a better chance of of developing strongly because it it may be more not that it got cooked by the sun it may be more that that's the response because the roots got dry on a hot day It's, it's not the physical fact that the, the wall itself is almost heating up. That is a factor. And to, to overcome that while it's establishing, you could put up an umbrella or shade yeah. cloth. Um, but if it's going to do that, say even if it's in the ground, then it's probably not the right plant for that location. It might be too sensitive. Okay. Could you recommend another one? Because... I've got this nice kind of arched, you know, um, rendered archways and things like that. I, it just reminds me a bit of, you know, Mediterranean sort of Mediterranean courtyard. Yeah, and I'm, oh. I'm just wondering what I could do because I mean, it's obviously always going to be hot and dry, but I, I like that that look of a, a creeper. Do you know the first thing that comes to mind to me yeah. because I love them is a bougainvillea. Yeah. I know oh, a lot yeah. of people don't like them, but the, the colours that you can get them in, they are so yeah. hardy. I've got a white one that's going up, native frangipanis, which is another good plant to have in combination. Um, but they're, they're drought hardy and they perform in the hottest of weather. Honeysuckle yeah. might be another one. Yeah, there are honeysuckle. other mm. types of jasmine. Uh, there there are. are roses that would fit the bill. Mm. Um, There's a rose that... that- yeah, there is a rose that is actually in the ground, as you guys mentioned earlier, and it, it it's, you know, you can't kill that thing. I trim it back to the base and it just comes back again. So maybe I think I think the fact that I should put it into the ground could be a thing. Yes. Could be, uh, could be the, uh, the way to go. I, and I don't think I've met a jasmine that won't cope with the heat. Mm. Um, yeah. Because we see them in full sun locations. Another one, another favourite is a Mexican rose, and that is covered oh. in pink flowers. I'm I'm not sure if it's an tignon or something along those lines, but Me- Mexican rose or Mexicalia rose has amazing pink flowers that that loves the heat. Oh, and I'll grow a jalapeno and a bit of uh, cilantro in its shade. <laughs> 
Mm. You could do that. So that gives you some ideas, but the best chance that plant will have is to go in the ground. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks very much. Take care, I, Alex. Um, could I just um, touch on what the man, the quite... Uh, Heath, yep. ...educated bloke before said yeah, about um, using... Uh, uh, sustainable resources and, um, you know, uh, sawdust, if you will, hmm. for a fertiliser. I think he's really onto something there and I, uh, lots of other people should listen to that guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, well, it, sawdust has been a component of potting mix forever. Uh, and so now yeah. they're obviously looking at new ways of uh, creating different potting mixes with uh, different uh, resources available to them in the future. So absolutely. It's good to see. And, yeah, I was actually up in Jarradale the other weekend and all the sawdust, you know, that that, that is a resource that we can yeah. use. Oh, yeah, uh, it is used. It's yeah. a nice uh, bed for uh, future growth. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Alex, we have to go to a break. Thanks, Cheers for that. Cheers. Thank you. Okay, one moment. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Straight back out to the lines. We're in Banksia Grove. Graham, good morning. Hi, Graham. Thank you for waiting. Oh, that's all right. So I'm a a first-time caller, but I listen to Curtin all the time. Oh, thank you, Graham. Lovely to hear from you. So my question is, um, it's about my lemon tree. Yes. So I bought a lemon tree about four years ago, planted it. It's been great, loads of lemons. But over the last uh, couple of months, it's, all the leaves have fell off. The, the fruit went all, like, not rotten, but, like, squashy. So I've, I've, on advice of someone, I've, I've cut it all back. So now it's just like a big twig. So is, is it dead or will it be all right? Well, the fact that your fruit went all squishy, was it yeah. left on the tree too long? Like, did you have too many lemons yeah. that you couldn't manage and they were left there too long yeah. and they rotted? That made it, yeah, that, that could have been a problem. Okay. And I have noticed that when when you do leave too much fruit on the tree for too long, it takes a lot out of the tree. Now, right. lemon trees do need a lot of water to to keep their fruit and to hang on to their fruit. So be more than a really regular. Okay. And yeah. when it dropped its leaves suddenly, had you given it any fertilizer at all? Um yeah, I'll give it that um oh, that one it's advertised on the radio all the time, sea sea soil. Well, if you gave it's it a sea Okay, if you gave it sea soil I imagine that you watered it down or used one of the diluted hose on packs. Um, so I hope that you followed instructions. That would not defoliate your tree. But if the roots right. were damaged or if the roots were burnt by a, a, a compound fertiliser, that can cause leaf drop or sudden changes right. in weather, like a really hot day where it dried out can also cause it. So it may have been a sudden event. Now, now the fact that you've cut it back, if the tree and its roots are healthy, you will get some new shoots soon. Now is well, not I, the best. I haven't yet. Right. No, Sorry. You, you will have to be a little bit patient, but now, right. because of this 35-degree weather, is not the best time to be cutting back and encouraging new shoots. 
because if Red. we get a 35 degree day, they could they could suffer. Right. So I, I keep looking, but there's there's no new shoots at all. And I cut it back a couple of weeks ago, and there's no new shoots. It doesn't it doesn't look dead, but it's there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing green on it at all at all, and certainly nothing yellow on it. It's just a big twig. Right. Well, you will just have to watch it. And the only other thing that you can do is um, to give it a nice liquid, a a gentle, with a watering can, wetting agent, uh, seaweed, fish product, and a a layer of mulch to keep in the moisture and protect the roots. And say a a little prayer, Graham. So so do you think it's all right? So I'll, I'll just... I'll just sit tight and wait till like next year and see what happens. Yeah. I, how, how old was your tree, Graham? Well, I, I bought it from a um, like a nursery, so it was it's pretty big now. Okay, so it's a few years old. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I see, I planted it four years ago, and it's it's been. It took a couple of years for fruits to grow, mm. but then when it did grow, it was it was great. But sometimes with a hard prune, it does take time for it to recover. I, d- I you don't think it's, it's that. it doesn't sound good though. Like. There might be there was something a problem else before. going mm. on, and yeah. I can't. I, from what you've told me, mm. it doesn't actually make sense. They can be susceptible to root rot, uh, but right. I, I would also wonder what else is going on around it. Sometimes, if you can send us a photo, then I can, I can do yeah. scope out what else is happening in the picture that might be contributing. Right. So, um, how do I send a photograph then? To Gardening at yep. curtainfm.com.au and that is C U R T I N. Yeah. And that we might oh, be able know. to tell a bit more from that. Right, I'll do that. So, like I said, I'll just sit tight and just fingers crossed, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Maybe, maybe that will be your Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, thanks Graham. Graham. Cheers. Bye. And let's just squeeze one more in. We're in Boyer talking to Shirley. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your program. I have, (coughs) excuse me, a ponytail plant or ponytail tree, uh, which is about two metres high, and I noticed that it has now seven pups on it. I'm not sure how to cut them off or what time of year to cut them off or whether I should just leave them alone. They vary in size and they're growing uh, facing the sun. Could you advise me what to do with them all, please? Shirley, are they growing from the soil or are they growing on the base of the plant? They're, they're growing on the, pl- on the trunk about from about halfway up. There's oh, about okay. seven of them facing okay. the sunshine, yeah. Right, okay. Um, do you want more plants? Because otherwise you'll, you'll end up with them all growing in one cluster. You could take down the main... Part so that you've got a, a seven-headed ponytail um, plant, and that won't hurt the plant to leave them there. No, not at all. Not at all. Just they're all on one side. It would be a very mm. unwieldy looking because it's plain. It hasn't, <coughs> excuse me, got any on one side at all. Okay, they're all on the side facing the sun. All right, I'll answer this more fully after the break. Thank you. Okay. Okay, so we're hanging up from Shirley and you're going to answer yep. it on the other side. Okay, let's do that. Curtain Radio.
Busy morning on Let's Talk Gardening. Straight back to the lines. We're in Kundula. Kathy, thanks. Hello, Kathy. Hi. Hi, um, Kathy. Yeah, I was just wanting to um, talk to you about my Cape Gooseberry. Yes. It's growing really good, but the, it doesn't ripen. They stay green. The shells go all crusty and die off, but then the gooseberry's still green. Mm. What I'm, am I doing wrong? Am I giving it too much water? Someone said maybe. Well, I don't think that would stop fruit ripening. Um, it, no. it sounds like it It just might be missing um, a, like a, a mineral or something. It needs something to, to finish the fruit. Are you fertilising them at all? They've had a lot of um, chukpu and sheep manure and stuff like that. Okay. Probably your best chance might to be to give it a complete all-purpose food, something for flowering and fruiting plants. I feel like a balance. broken record. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I would probably do it with a watering can because you could give it a foliar feed, something like Power Feed, Miracle Grow, Aquasol, Thrive. Yeah. Uh, mix that up in a watering can, half strength, and pour that over the foliage. So the plant will take it in straight away and it might just then get what it needs to complete its fruit. So you want you want them to hang on to their fruit long enough to ripen. Yeah, that's good. All right, thanks. Thank you. Okay. I'll, I'll try that. All right. Give good it luck. a whirl. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And let's go to Waikiki. Moya, good morning. Hello. Am I speaking to you? Yes, you are. Hi, it's Moya here. Um, I was just wondering about the gentleman with the lemon tree twig. Yes. If he was concerned that it may not be alive, he could just gently make uh, scrape a little bit of bark from the top. Yeah. Um, and work down if it's if it's green or brown, mm. and then also put a little bit of shade cloth that drapes something over the top of it for the next week or so. That is a good idea, Moya. Yeah, protect like you, it a bit. If you've been gardening for a while, when you cut back, you, in your mind, you can tell whether something is dead or alive. So you'll find that you, you can cut part of a tree and it just like a brown stick, very, very dead. There's no life in it. Mm-hmm. If you cut past that and you've got some some softer wood and it might have a bit of sap oozing or it feels green and moist, then there is life there. So when you're doing those cuts, you cut back to a node. That is where more growth will push out from if the plant is alive. And certainly shade cloth is a great way to give the plant protection. Now, this week I've just had a bottle brush lopped 40-odd years old, I'm I'm guessing. It was at the house before we got there. And it showed signs of dying back. So the only choice that we really had was to get up there, cut out some of the dead branches and cut it back to where there was some, some form of life. Not where it's brown and hard and dead, but that bit further. A bit like when you're cutting back roses. You cut back to where there's a node, where you can see there's a chance of it going to push out some green and then you just sit back and wait. Yeah, well, I was just wondering if he scraped a little bit of the bark at the top, if it was brown, he could work his way down and find some green maybe to to That's, let him know that it was alive. Yes, 
great, great, Moya. I hope Graham's still listening. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank, 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 thank you. you. Cheers for that. Okay. And we've got Shirley back. Okay. About the ponytail. Hi, Shirley. Oh, I got cut off somehow in the middle of the conversation. Okay. Well, the, the poinciana will develop side shoots. And no, they're ponytail. Ponytail will develop. It's a ponytail plant. Yep, can develop side shoots. What did I say? Poinciana. Oh, okay. Starts with P. Mm. Um, the ponytail can develop side shoots. And if you've got seven coming out the side as distinct from the main stem, then it might be a good idea to balance it up. So have a look at the plant and make a decision about what you would prefer. Do you want it to have seven heads? No, not really. Okay. So you can take them all off and propagate them. Just And how do you cut them off? Where where and how? Um, right against the stem so you're not damaging the main plant too much. And also right. if they've developed to the point where they are um, browner at the base then just slice them cleanly with a knife and put into a pot. What time of year is best to do this? Uh, let, let me see. John's just brought me in some information. Um, he says you can just break the side shoots right from the stem. However, if you want to make cleaner cuts, just make sure your knife is shut. Um, knife is sharp or you can use trimming shears or secateurs. You can apply a little bit of rooting hormone if you like and pop them into a pot. So now would be oh. perfect. Okay, that's great. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome, that. Shirley. Off you Thank go, you. Shirley. <laughs> Enjoy. Thanks. Thank Bye. you. Cheers for that. All right, we've got a couple of minutes before the 9am news. And just a bit more information about the poinciana. It can flower from 10 years yes. so 10 to 15 years and so. the lifespan like I'm finding with the bottle brush is yeah. about 40 years yeah yeah mm. yeah okay so a little more patience required it will mm. happen okay all right time to go to the 9 a.m news right now it's 28.2 degrees we are heading for a very hot and sunny Maximum today of 36. Tomorrow, mostly sunny with a maximum of 30. And then on Monday, it's cooling down a little bit. It will be mostly sunny with a maximum of 25. And our rainfall for November looks like it'll stay at 48 mils. And the average uh, is 27.5 mils. So that's not too badly. We certainly have had a lot more rain than in previous years. So we're happy with that. We'll take that. We will. We will. And what? Um, who knows what summer will bring? Exactly. I don't, We don't know anymore, do we? Everything no. is just changing so much. We just have to roll with it. And it does impact our, our plants very much so. So it's a big factor. Okay. Now, what would you like to do, young lady? We've got emails. We've got all sorts of things ahead we've, of us. And we've, we've also got a giveaway to do. And we've also got Daryl online. Oh, since. he's... <laughs> He's actually here. All right. Because, yes, we're going to touch base again about the shot hole borer with uh, Dr. Daryl Hardy, uh, everything that we need to know and uh, whether or not your area falls into a quarantine zone. Daryl, good morning. You're with Ray and Faye. How are you? Good morning, Ray and Faye. Yes, I'm here waiting. Yes, uh, patiently. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. 
Thank you. Okay. Thank you for talking to us because I know you're on leave, so we're getting you to do overtime here. Yeah, that's okay. So I, had to, I haven't been uh, in work for a couple of weeks, so I mean, the incident's been moving on. Yeah. Uh, I've been moving on, so I've had to um, get briefed yesterday and I've done some uh, more reading this morning. Oh, well yeah. done, Daryl. Well, yes, I'm, I am concerned because, as I have said this morning, we had a very large bottle brush that's probably about 40 years old and it, it showed signs of dying back or the whole tree had dead branches up the top and my concern was well we need to get that down we need to look at what the cause is and of course I was concerned that it might be this shot hole borer yeah well look um, that's um, good community spirit there Faye um, we've had over 100 reports uh, this week uh, for the My Pet Guide report have you and, uh, and, the, and the platter so yeah, we've got people, uh, we're getting people in there and we're training people and there'll be, you've seen a lot of cars probably around in those um, infested areas. Um, so, yeah, any reports, um, uh, you can use the My Pest Drive Reporter um, and take, take some pictures um, and also uh, download the, um, uh, or, uh, sorry, uh, ring the Paddis hotline, which is 93683080. And um, because there's not just, this borer, there's a lot of native borers, and of course we've had um, very dry summers over the last few years, and some weird weather. So a lot of trees are under stress. In fact, you could say in the middle of summer in Perth on their coastal sands, what tree or plant isn't under stress unless it's getting complementary water from somewhere. So um, these, um, and once the tree gets stressed, it's open to attack by um, any number of pests, but especially borers. And now we've got this new one in, um, and it's not as obvious as the others because the um, the holes it makes are only about the size of a tip of a ballpoint pen. So, yeah, there's um, a lot of uh, different borers, but this one is a, a real nasty one. So, what, what, if it can uh, eradicate it, it's possible, but we don't know if that's possible yet. Yeah, what do, what do people need to be aware of? What do they need to look for? What are the quarantine zones happening out there at the moment? Okay then, so there's, uh, I think they said 17, I'm just looking, I can read them out. Yeah, please. Um, the zones, uh, just bear with me, I've got a few pages open here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've expanded the um, the zone um, on the 15th of November um, and it covers uh, 17 local government areas, including Cambridge, Canning, Claremont, Coburn, Cottesloe, Eastermantle, Fremantle, Melville, Mosman Park, Netherlands, Patman Grove, Perth, South Perth, Stirling, Victoria Park and Vincent. So I'm in the zone now. And I am too. Mm. Yeah, so um, anybody, um, anybody having a greens collection or something like that, they need to contact the council um, um, and, and, and see what requirements they've put in place there or ring our hotline. Um, they can't move uh, untreated timbers, wood outside of the area. Plants with a diameter of stems greater than two centimetres shouldn't be moved outside the area. I mean, we can't enforce this, obviously, but no. we need the committee on side to help us contain this because, uh, you know, hopefully we don't want to have to live with this. No. Um, and, we're, and we're gathering information from around the world where it's been a problem, so in South Africa, Israel and... Um, in California, it's a major issue for um, for them, and it's not just um, street trees. Uh, it's certainly street trees in in South Africa and um, and California, but in uh, Israel, it's uh, 
it's giving the avocado orchard uh, a, a real hammering. And also we've found information that would indicate that it'd be a major environmental pest here. So it's a triple whammy. It's, um, yeah, a really nice... Are, are you able to list some of the trees that it's attracted to, Daryl? Yeah, so the one, so there's different ones that... Um, there's a long list now, so mm. I think we'll look at it. But there's ones that are what we call reproductive hosts. They're the ones that can actually breed in and multiply. And, no. uh, and the ones that we know so far from overseas and from a little bit of work here at the moment are maple, oak, plane tree, coral tree. So some people call the coral tree the flame tree. Avocados, uh, willows, acacias, that's true acacias, and the nasty little castor oil plant, which yeah. uh, a lot of people will see growing in vacant blocks or where a house yeah. is knocked down or disturbed ground. Um, that's the ones where it can um, actually um, uh, reproduce in. Now, there's a whole list of other ones where it's known now to actually infest, but not, um, hopefully, not, um, um, hopefully not reproducing. And a new one, I'm just looking for it, and it came up as the, the uh, Ficus macrophylla or the Morton Bay pig, I think, was the one. Oh, that golly was gosh. Yeah. And because we have some of those in Perth, and they're yeah. like heritage trees. Now they're actually they um, protected because um, they're mm. massive with the buttressing roots and things like that. So what I'd really like people to do, your viewers to do, is to look for any unusual discoloration uh, or staining of the bark or wood, uh, beetle entry with small holes um, the size of um, a ballpoint pen ball, um, gumming, which is like the trees exuding gum, uh, yeah. sugar volcanoes. Well, this is a new one. This is a stat actually coming out so profusely because the activity of the beetles, and you get like a, a sugar volcano on the side of the tree. It's yeah. A, a white sappy. And there's another one where you get frass. So the actual frass hangs out like, um, looks like, um, well, you could say like little tentacles hanging out of the, the stems. And, of course, the common one is dieback. And as Faye said, her uh, colistamin is uh, suffering from a bit of dieback. And I can't remember off the top of my head if colistamin is on the um, attack list. But certainly Carimbia, the um, uh, Calafilla, the, uh, the Maori, um, is, um, that's very susceptible to this pest. And that's what they found in California. That's disastrous, isn't it? So, Daryl, mm. how long... Is it likely before you might see signs if this borer had got into a plant? Mm. Any idea? Well, I would think it, uh, probably not in the first generation, but you're going to have successive generations. Once Now the temperatures are ideal for it now. Mm. So um, up till Christmas, it's going to be reproducing rapidly. Um, yeah, it has a very short life cycle, probably you know, four weeks, something like that, because it's such a tiny insect. And it just keeps on reinfesting the tree. Um, the, the interesting thing is that um, it's not the borer that kills the tree, it's the fungus that brings with it, um, the fusarium that it brings with it, that actually, uh, it, which it lays down in the galleries from its mouth part that it bores into the tree. That's what kills the tree, but that's what it's farmed. It actually, they're called ambrosia beetles, they actually farm this fungus, and the fungus is actually killing the tree. So if um, you actually have this problem, is it guaranteed your tree will die? Um, the experience overseas would suggest that, and... Um, yeah, I heard, uh, my wife heard some ladies talking about that. I was chopping down all the trees. Well, we're not actually chopping down all the trees. We're identifying the trees that are infested um, at the moment. We've chopped out a few trees. Um, the first tree, because we thought it might be the only one, the maple, 
Uh, and then we've removed uh, limbs uh, where um, on parts of trees where um, mm. uh, are heavily infested. And now we're looking at safety issues. So we're working very closely with Walter and the council. Um, so if you don't want bits of uh, limbs falling down on people when they're walking in parks and things like that. So, Daryl, is it turning up more in the limbs and branches or in the trunk. main trunk? Well, put it this way. Um, I'm not sure about that. But it's easier to see in the in the main trunk. Um, if it's high up in the limbs, it may well be there just as much or more so. Um, but it's harder for it's harder for you to see. That's right. Yes, it's and, and because the borer holes are so small, you would have to do some really close inspection. You know, of a of a lopped tree. Yeah, exactly. And that's um, our our people in the field, our survival staff, they have um, gyroscopic binoculars. So they're really good binoculars. So a lot of bird watchers will use them, I imagine. Um, So you can get a a real lock on and and you don't get the swaying associated with normal um, binoculars. So, yeah, you need, if there's a tree, you know, 10, 12 metres tall when you're looking up into the crown and that, you need, yeah, yeah it's very difficult work. But um, mm. we've, um, I think they've um, located um, now, I think there's about um, 20 or 30 properties that are infested. So they're doing quite well. And because now you have to also repeat the surveillance because, uh, well, for a couple of different reasons. One is the infestation might show itself now. It might have been there in the first place. And two, different people have a different way of doing surveillance. And, 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 and there's always a human error and human factor in it. So some people are better than others and some people observe things differently. So you yeah. repeat the areas you do surveillance. Can you, can you prevent it? Can you prevent it? Can you protect your garden from it? Well, this is, this is the big thing at the moment. Um, we've got some um, concern... Um, Residents have been ringing up saying that there's people coming around saying that they can um, do the old dieback injection for their trees uh. and they're charging them sometimes exorbitant rates to that. Now, the dieback, um, um, the phosphorus acid or whatever it is, I can't remember the exact compound, that doesn't work on this piece uh, it's, uh, it's a, or, or on, the, on this fungus. So that doesn't work. What we know from overseas is there's a few cocktails which we're looking at at the moment to mm. try and get registered that can prevent infestation. Yeah. Or but there's nothing that will that we have got any information on that will stop an infestation once it's started. So that is a very key thing we need to look at. Um, and we'll be pursuing that as we go forward because it's, uh, you just can't go around, you know, Spray every tree. No. So we need we need some more tools in the bag, and one of them will be hopefully one that if we find an early infestation, um, hopefully it'll be a management plan if we can't eradicate where you'll actually do trimming of your tree and then some um, uh, topical spray or, or, or a actual cover spray or an injection uh, injection into the tree that will sort of take out the infestation. Because this pest, if we don't eradicate, or it's not feasible to eradicate, and that's still unknown. That it will be here for you know generations, and we'll be dealing with it. So mm. trees like the maple, which are highly um, highly um, susceptible, we won't be able to grow them here. Do you know if there's any predators? That take this uh, yeah. beetle out. Yeah, I would say definitely because it originates in the uh, South East Asia area, and 
it, that's where it's evolved. So it would have co-evolved with uh, predators and parasites over there. Um, and I believe the Americans are pretty good at this. They'll, they'll be looking at um, possible um, biocontrol agents for, for, for mass rearing and release. Um, and because they're spending a lot of money in California each year, and we're talking millions of dollars in, in combating this pest. Um, and that's one of the avenues they'll be looking at. So you have a self-sustaining um, um, control measure, but not all biocontrol measures work really well, depending on the environment and the pest and that. But I mean, we've had wonderful successes and we've had some <laughs> abject failures as well. So hopefully something will be identified and it will be about, you know, you're looking at, you know, five to ten years before you can get that sort of tracked into the country because you've mm. got to make sure that the parasite or the predator doesn't attack native ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've got to actually... And we can't just go on the, um, the information from America because they have a different um, ecosystem of interactions and plants and, uh, and insects over there. So we have to test it against a whole pile of um, Our own. Uh, native, native uh, borers and that, yeah. Well, hopefully we've got something here already, Daryl, that just likes them, maybe a little bird or, or I don't know, lizard yeah, well, or something? Look, well, with the native um, borers, there are a... Um, Parasites and predators, and in the past, things have jumped across. Um, um, I know one fruit fly parasite um, collected um, in Australia was taken to um, uh, the US, and that actually uh, loves a different fruit fly and, a, and actually a parasite, a parasite of um, fruit fly eggs in, in the US, mm. uh, or sort of say in Central America. Um, yeah, so they do jump species. So we've seen that, and we've seen that with the Portuguese millipede too. There's a native, um, um, I think it's a uh, nematode that actually um, attacks um, the uh, Portuguese millipede when it builds up in large numbers. So, yeah. So hopefully um, something will pop out. And, and you know, nature and science is a wonderful thing. We we just got to work through this, yeah. and uh, we come up with a solution that suits everybody, and we don't have all these tree deaths. Yes, yes, and that's what we hope. Um, we need to be very vigilant. Okay, yeah, so, that's that's the message. Yeah, so the My Pest Guide reporter, um, yep, I, I like taking that because I was one of the co-developers. Yeah. Uh, initially, I, uh, it's got a license zone now. And also the lovely lady in uh, Paddis, 9368-3080, each day, they, they can help you. As well. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks for the update. You're welcome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, we appreciate your time. (laughs) Thanks, you love. Okay, talk soon. Thanks, Daryl. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye. Okay, we talked to Daryl probably longer than we anticipated, but it's information that we just needed to get across to everyone. And, I, yeah, we we hope we managed to do that today. Okay, back in a moment. Curtain Twenty-three minutes after nine on Let's Talk Gardening. Coming up at half past nine, we're chatting with Trevor Gay from Sunnyvale Nursery. Okay, now we do have a few emails to get through, but whilst I can see that the lines are clear, you might like to go shopping between now and Christmas, or even after Christmas, you might like to buy yourself. It could be a new gardening tool, it could be a pot, it could be a pot plant, it could be a bag of potting mix. Anyway, here's $75 to put towards 
whatever your little heart desires. Uh, the voucher is from uh, the lovely Kerry from Bigger Trees up in P- Pickering Brook. And we have the $75 voucher to give away to you this morning. However, you do have to be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. And Bigger Trees, let me see, go to their website, biggertrees.com.au and have a good browse. They've also got a Facebook page. It's a wonderful nursery with wonderful trees, you know, specialising in frangipanis, which are starting to uh, flower again soon. And some are already flowering, uh, coming forward into summer and fantastic ornamentals and fruit trees. But they've got everything going on up there. So here is our question, guys. By what name is the Lonacera better known? This is the question. By what name is the Lona Sierra better known? $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Up for grabs. Give Beb a call now. 94841927. And let's go to some emails. Yes, let's do it. So we have received an email from Judy Intrigue and she asks if we can offer suggestions on how to treat the dead patches on the lawn caused by a pet dog and his urine. Mm. So... Um, some of the solutions to stopping the spots in the first place are to water the area straight away or to encourage the dog to go in a certain spot elsewhere. Yeah. But one of the very popular, and I'm I'm pretty sure that this has got some good results, and that is a product called Dog Rocks, mm. which is put into the dog's drinking bowl mm. and it filters out impurities such as Tim tin, ammonia and nitrates. So that's something worth trying, Judy. Other than that, you're actually looking at restoring the area. So you've got dead patches, something that is going to encourage regrowth, which is more so going to be from the side, so the runners come back in. Um, There are products available. Uh, Lawn Reviver is one. Uh, I'm having good results with a fertilizer at the moment that's just come in by one of our sponsors mm-hmm. and that treats about four square meters per bag mm-hmm. and it encourages growth so the lawn greens up and the growth produces more more shoots mm. um yeah so it's a, it's about restoring that area yeah and with the with the the dog rocks i would speak to vet as well about using that because someone said to me and this is only purely hearsay they said that it's not good for the animals that it can affect their kidneys so double check that oh okay double check it yeah that's my advice there you go Mm. all right so if any of our listeners have experience have, have any solutions please let us know selma from southern river has sent in some lovely photos of her front lawn and garden and Credit to you, Selma. It looks wonderful. She has a verta mowing um, contractor book for Monday morning, but she's a bit anxious about it. I know how you feel. I get very anxious when people are coming to my garden to do work. Uh, but she's wondering if it's a good time to do it. The lawn is spongy, soft underfoot, and the mower is starting to glide. Can you give us tips? And is this weather really okay to mow solo? Well, now is really a fantastic time for growing lawn, establishing lawn, repairing lawn. Yeah. And it will recover. The good news is we're not going to have another 35 degree day. Monday, the temperature's coming down to 25. 
So I think that's perfect day. You'll be able to keep the water up to it. But if there's any divots in the lawn, is now a good time to just fill those with a lawn blend and also to give the substrate a water with a, a wetting agent just to help it get through summer and, and hang on to that moisture a bit longer. Now, Patricia has sent us an email with a photo of the beloved grasshoppers, which people around the place either think are pets or pests. Mm. And um, uh, let me see what I've written. I, I wrote notes all about this, Ray. And one of the solutions is to spray with a pepper spray. Now, it's an American recipe. The red pepper, of course, is our capsicum or chilli. And they recommend 1.1 litres of water with a cup of kind pepper or chilli powder sprayed on plants will act as a deterrent. You can also use neem oil, pesticidal soaps, garlic spray, kale and clay and diatomaceous spray. Now... This will repel both grasshoppers and chipmunks. And chipmunks. <laughs> so if you don't get any chipmunks eating you, your plants, you'll know you'll, why. You'll know it really why. works. Well, that's good because I've got <laughs> grasshoppers and Katie Jensen doing all sorts of damage in my garden. Ah. Now, something else that is very topical at the moment, the reports of blue-banded bees mm. across Perth are phenomenal. Yes, and I, I have them. Yeah, mm. I've ha- had experience myself where... When they nest, they actually nest in the ground or maybe a mud brick wall Mm. and they burrow the sand out between pavers. Now, the sand that comes out from the pavers has a scent so the bee can actually find its way back. Mm. And I've blown back twice this week and both times I've heard this bzzz, bzzz, and there's this blue-banded bee buzzing, struggling to find where its nest is. I still can't find it. But when I do, we will not be blower back in that area. We will be staking it out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, people people are sharing videos and photos. Look at your blue flowers. Look yeah. at your yellow flowers, jacaranda, agapanthus, salvias, uh, the snake vine, the beautiful yellow snake vine. Just stand and watch and mm. there's every chance. Oh, definitely. And blue um, dogbane. And okay. they were certainly around the dog bane up at Ross's garden the other day and and mine in the garden at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're abundant. Yeah, no, if I have ha- I have a massive salvia celestial blue which you saw um, and said it's too big for the area. Mm. And, and so it is, and it's become a lot bigger since you saw it. It's a monster. So the blue-banded bees come into that. Thriving on oh, it. Oh, so you know what? I have, have yeah. this other subject in my head this yeah. week that says what gets right of way in your garden. Yeah. So, you know, mm. initially I said, oh, it's too big for the spot. You have to move it. But if it's a magnet for the blue-banded bees, it you is. just can't no now it's so full so flowering and it's so alive with bees it'll stay yes of course Mm, for now you Mm. can trim it a little bit i have a wheelbarrow that's in the wrong place Mm. but it's got a a web of a christmas spider so that gets right of way nothing gets moved around it Mm. and the garden where i found my little marsupial Mm. you know that will be a wild garden now that's just (laughs) got to be left until I work out what, what this is. critter is and what it needs. But obviously, mm. 
the habitat that's there is what it needs. Mm. So I I love that. It's mm. that fist pump. Yay. Yeah. We're doing it right. Doing something right. That's excellent. All right. Now, we don't have any calls to our quiz, which is most unusual. If you would like to win a $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees up in Pickering Brook, my goodness, I would like a $75 mm. gift voucher. Here's the question. By what name is the Lonicera, I'll spell that for you, L-O-N-I-C-E-R-A, better known? You must be a Curtin FM member and you must have not won a prize in the last 28 days. I have pronounced it Lonicera. Lonicera. So maybe, I mean, often we see these names written. We don't actually talk in those terms. Lonicera, Lonicera, okay. L-O-N-I-C-E-R-A. And we've actually talked about it already this morning. We certainly have (laughs) talked about the answer. Let's go to Rockingham. Diane, good morning. Good morning. How are you girls this morning? Well, thank thank you. you. That's good. I'm glad to hear that somebody's looking after nature out there with the little creatures and and, and everything else somebody needs to. Yes, that's right, (laughs) Diane. Yes. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about the white moth. What what purpose does that hold? Because I've got this yes. white moth in my garden. Everyone does. And, going, yeah, and it keeps going up and down my petunias and it stops at the purple and white ones, basically. And what what purpose do they do? Well, they could well be pollinators, but they are an introduced species, so they would be considered a pest. They will often be looking to lay their eggs Mm -hmm. and, of course, their eggs are food for little critters that patrol our plants like lacewing larvae uh, and and all sorts of little predators and parasites. Uh, Also, when the caterpillars hatch, caterpillars are quite interesting in the role that they play. They may either be a host to a parasitic wasp where the wasp comes in, lays its eggs in the caterpillar and the the larvae hatch and they eat all but the vital organs and then they hatch outside of the body and the caterpillar then stays long enough to weave a cocoon around them and then they pupate and turn into little wasps. Where they hatch, so sometimes you'll find evidence of that in your garden. But okay, the caterpillars look out for that. Yeah. yeah, the caterpillars also are food for some of the solitary wasps. So they'll come mm-hmm. around and they'll be scouting in and out. Wasps are wonderful. Mm. They'll they'll do a lot of work in and out under leaves and around till they find a caterpillar. Then they will either parasitize it and put it in their nest. Or they'll munch it up and feed it to their young. So, oh goodness so me! It, so they do a bit of, a quite a bit of work for nature. The white moth. They they do in a way, and yeah. they're also food for lizards. Some of our lizards oh, rely okay. on them. Hmm. Oh, I wonder because this has been hanging around for a while, and this goes from the petunia, especially loves the purple and white one. Well, so that must be an attraction, the colour. Well, it's interesting how what insects see, the the tone of light. And mm. oh, that's another subject altogether, Diane. But very, very yes. good observations. And yes, we don't like them, but they do have a role that we can find some benefit from. Everything has a role, doesn't it? It 
does. The the, um, the thing is, uh, I haven't got a clue. I'm not a member, but I, I should be. Uh, I listen to you guys every day of the week and uh, 24 hours, but um, I haven't got a clue on the quiz thing. I couldn't even guess at what it might be. I think you better put a hint out there for some people. Oh, we've actually got a winner, actually, so we do have I a winner, know. guys. I'll, yes. I'll wait and see what it okay. was. Okay, thanks, Diane. <laughs> And thank okay. you so much for your show. I listen every time, every Saturday morning. Thanks, Lovely. Diane. Thank you. Cheers for that. Thank you. Bye. Okay, and yes, we do have a winner. Congratulations to Bronwyn. $75 voucher will be in the mail to you this week. And our question was, by what name is a Lonicera, as Faye calls it, and I've, I'm saying Lonicera, L-O-N-I-C-E-R-A, better known. The answer is the honeysuckle. Okay, thanks, guys, for playing with us, and I uh, hope you enjoy that Bronwyn. Now, and do let us know what you get with it, by the way. Uh, we love to hear back. Trevor, cu- <laughs> I'm getting confused here. Trevor Gay is online from Sunnyvale Plants, and he's been very, very patient. Thank you for waiting, Trevor. <laughs> Good morning. So sorry. Morning. Yeah, how are you? <laughs> Good, thank you. Oh, I bet you're having a busy time keeping up with the watering, Trevor. Yes, yes. Today, <laughs> a bit of a taste of summer today. Before it's yeah. cool tomorrow. And uh, yeah, but it's but it's been a uh, great spring. I think last time I was talking to you, I was a bit pessimistic of how it was going to start. Yes. And then a week week later, it just went. That was it, and and hasn't stopped. So uh, yeah, so we I think uh, everybody in the horticultural side of things are, uh, have been pretty happy this spring, and uh, yeah, which is which is all good. Helps everybody. It, yep. it sure is. So what's top of the list at the moment hmm. in in the garden? I know I know you kind of specialise in annuals. Yes. So yes. and, yeah, well, I, I suppose coming into summer, which is people are really going to think about it today. Um, coming into, into summer, then you, your portulacas and yeah. are, are certainly the both two most reliable. They both of them love it hot and dry, and then probably followed by petunias after that. And then if you've got a bit more of a slightly, uh, probably more protected, a little bit shade area, lobelias still still make a great show. And, uh, of course, snapdragons do very well. There's still a lot... A lot of lot of our spring spring lines that do flow into summer um, are, are pretty resilient and, uh, and and will still certainly go through the heat very well uh, as far as the flowers go. And um, vegetables, well, yeah, still a good time for your tomatoes and capsicum, chilies, etc. Um, and uh, lettuce, lettuce, people still love their lettuce. They think of the loose leaf type. Yeah. Um, obviously, summer with those, if you've got a little bit of light shade over the top of them is an ideal thing. It just protects them from those extreme days um, or, or definitely a protected spot um, for them. But just general veggies in uh, in, in general and, and, and herbs um, are still very, you know, obviously still very popular all year round, but uh, yeah, certainly still worthwhile planting for sure. Do you yeah. have much in the way of Alison? Because, you know, I'm a big fan <laughs> of it. And someone said to me recently, I Can't haven't been able any. to buy it. Yeah, at the moment, um, this spring has mostly been the purple and the rose. I had a little bit of Alyssa White for a while, but unfortunately, the last two years, uh, there's there's been some apparently been some crop failures, uh, mm-hmm. as in seed cropping 
failures um, in the in the in the countries where they produce them. And uh, I couldn't get couldn't get purple for about twelve months, and I only had white and cameo and and rose. And then then this this spring the cameo, which is the mixed, I couldn't get the mixed, and and very very little amount of of white. And even when I tried to like we we will go for another variety of like a white, but it has to be very very similar to what we grow mm-hmm. and what the public are used to. But even that, because when if you get, if one's out, the other the other uh, variety gets gobbled up very quickly. So, and and unfortunately, um, you know, a lot of a lot of this that particular type of seed is produced overseas, and mm-hmm. uh, Australia is only very very small drop in the ocean compared to the total market so they okay, keep it for themselves right. but, um, I'm, I'm hoping at this stage uh, autumn next year oh, wow. I'll be able, to be, be able to get the white back on again okay. and, uh, yeah that's that's the plan but um, as we know these things can get pushed back again yes yes <laughs> we'll see what happens but yeah that's that's an unfortunate thing because they are they're, they're a great plant and they, and they make a beautiful show in the garden that's, what's you. another option for them then what could you use in lieu well, Oh, oh, probably um, that sort of ground cover. Lobelia, yeah, are are a good option. (laughs) Yes. Um, There again, you want a little bit of protection for summer lobelia, um, for sure. But but certainly, yeah, with the range of lobelias we have, um, yeah, they they do make that good sort of either border or or, or even mass display uh, opportunity. Yeah, for sure. What about herbs, Trevor? Right, herbs. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a never-ending um, variety of, of, yeah. of herbs. Um, obviously, with the uh, obviously the most popular ones, your parsley's and your, and your various all different types of basil's, um, uh, coriander's, uh, mint, um, always, always the, the most popular, uh, and are pretty much always on the shelf, fairly much all year round. Um, getting down to the there's a, there's a lot of a lot of um, we should call them odd herbs that um, people take every now and again, but but with with, with those it's a case of they, they they come and go a little bit, and some of those are a bit livid on the seasonal side of things where they may not like the summer, or they may not like the winter, so a little bit more careful with them. But yeah, generally herb, herbs herbs uh, are just been increasing every year. Um, I think you know people it, it's. And veggies in general, it's 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 been a been a very good year for it. We didn't know what was going to happen after after COVID twenty, as we mm. as we as it'll always be known. Yeah. Um, it's through through the whole horticultural industry upside down, and and everybody was yes. scrambling. But mm. um, but but this year it, it's followed on very well, and 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 uh, yeah, I think people are still keen to to certainly grow some of their own veggies. Oh, yep. that's that's good to hear. Mm. Yes, we're certainly. Kept busy here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Never ending lot of questions, is there? <laughs> oh, so will you get a break over Christmas, Trevor? Oh, no. no. Between my son, Stephen, and myself, we'll be, uh, we'll be taking turns on the days and uh, just just work the best in between. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and hope that it's not too hot. That's, that's all we can Absolutely. hope for. Absolutely. <laughs> After last year, I think it was around 40. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Wasn't yeah. it com- on Christmas com- Day? Com- yeah. Yes, we did. We copped uh, oh. a couple of good ones there. Yeah, yeah. no, look, all, all the best to you, Trevor. Yep, thank you. And uh, have a wonderful Christmas and New Year. Yep. And well, thank you very much. we'll be speaking to you uh, next, next year. Next year. Yes. Yeah, next year. Yeah, we probably Thank don't. We'll be, we'll be in autumn. <laughs> Thank you very much. We will. Right. Yeah, thanks for your thanks input as always, okay. Trevor. Lovely to talk thanks to you. Thanks very much. Okay. Okay. okay, cheers for that. Right. Bye. Bye.
All right, now we do have to have a short break. When we return, we're chatting with Douglas about roses. Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. Thank you for your company. There's about 15 minutes of the program left to go till 10 a.m. and then you will be joined by George Minoldi with the classic 60s, so something for you to look forward to. We're in June, Dana. Douglas, thanks for waiting. Morning, Douglas. Ah, uh, that's me. Hello. Yes, hello. hello. Can... Uh, well, I was just, just speaking about the, the older roses that seem to be growing in uh, Dundana lately. Yes. What can you tell us about them? i just wondering if where their roots are going. Ooh, well. In terms um... of, uh, they seem to grow well, whether they compost or not, you know. Roses are amazing. Yeah. If if you visited old farmhouses in the country, you'll you'll right. sometimes see roses growing in the most um, interesting and obscure and, places. And, obscure places. Yeah. Mm. and right. once right. they get yeah. their roots down, they yeah. can be very self sufficient. Oh, uh, yeah, and I, I cut it cut it right back, and it uh, it seems to just come back like it, nothing even happened to it. So uh, it's good. They do love a good cutback. What colour are your roses, Douglas? Uh, just a nice light tone of yellow at the moment. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. There's, and it's yeah. growing quite well next to uh, my, a friend of mine gave me a, uh, a finger line. Yes. And they're both kind of quite uh, thorny together. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, just be careful. <laughs> yeah. Aye. Oh, well, lovely to hear from you and glad you're having good success with your roses. That's it. Thank Th you very much. Thanks good for on you, call. Douglas. Love your show. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers for that. And we did get an email, Ray, about mm. a iceberg rose, a couple of iceberg roses, I think, uh, that need a cut back, but all we can really see is the trunk and they're almost tree-like. So... Yeah. Um, We've, John has asked for feedback on, on how to cut that back and I know there's something a little bit different about icebergs and, and mm. their rose pruning. So we will come back to that, John, when we've got more information. Yeah, is that from my friend, John? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yeah. And I have another question, actually, from one of my neighbours. I sent it to you on a text last night. Don't know if you had a chance to look at it. I had a quick look, Ray. It's yes. a Pittosporum. Now, it's called Ralph Gartnettii. So if you're thinking of Pittosporum hedging plants, think of uh, the, what's the one, Master, Screen Master or yes. Silver Sheen or one of those. This is probably an older variety mm -hmm. and it's been let turn into a tree. It's not been kept mm. as a hedge. It's it's rather tall. It's 20 years old and the neighbour said, I want to, it's really bushy up. I want to cut it back by at least least half right down there she was pointing to it do you think i should do it and yeah, <laughs> yeah do it dig a hole next to it and plant another one yeah yeah, yeah. so what i can say about that is yeah. the best time to create a hedge is when the plant is planted okay so as soon as mm, you start shaping you, you've got to work this out at the beginning mm. now last weekend there was some magnificent examples of, of specimens that had been hedged. The mm. Grevillea olivaceae was one of them. Mm. And I asked the question, you know, if, if my Grevillea olivaceae, which is a screen, it stands about two metres high, it's got thick trunks at the base. You know, I've cut it back a couple of times, but it really gets let, 
let go, it's probably too late. Too so, late. Mm. So really, I've got nothing to lose. You can't cut back into the hardwood with a lot of plants and expect it to grow. Some mm. you can, many you can't. Mm. So I kind of feel like I've got nothing to lose. Cut it back, but compensate with something else. That's so what have I've... a new, new mm. look, a new yeah. thought pattern for the garden. Yeah, that's exactly what I said to her. And mm. this is what happens with older gardens. You yeah. know, um, some things get past their use by date. In my mm. case, it might be, you know, five large bottle brush that I... I may lose. Mm. Um, oh, it's it's hard because they they're such features of the garden. Yeah. They provide a canopy. Yeah, there's understory plants. I've got that large philodendron climbing three meters up that tree, which mm. is now exposed to sun. Yeah, no good. I've got a wedding palm that stands a meter tall, mm. which has been in the understory. Fortunately, right next to it, I have a sapote. That has never got enough sun, so it will. So that mm. may actually stimulate, you know, really come into play on its own. Mm. Mm. Time will tell, but yeah, if you've got a plant that's looking sick, you can give it a cut back, cut back to a node, cut back into where there's some softer wood, mm. and and just monitor it. Not so much when it's 35 degrees, but mm, exactly. sometimes you've got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. And, yes, inspecting for that shot hole borer to make sure that Absolutely. that's not the cause of it. That was my main reason for getting onto it straight away. We've got to know what we're dealing with. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, I know with these people, they just think it's a refurbishment and they want it to bush up and give it a new lease on life, but I think it might <laughs> end its life. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's if they don't want it as a tree anymore, cut yeah. it down, see what happens. See what happens. But I, yeah. I wouldn't be holding out too much hope. A bit like Geraldton Wax that get to that point. Exactly. Mm. Okay, uh, let me see. We do need to take a short break. When we come back, we're chatting to Karen in Queens. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening and today's show has been sponsored by Soil Solver, Landscape Industries Association Product of the Year. The answer lies in the soil. And so it does. Now let's go straight out to Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. Good morning. Sorry, I'm a bit late. All, I just want to know, I have got a cardboard plant and that's growing so big and I don't know what to, what to do with it. Can I cut it in half or can I... Whatever, I don't know how big it will grow, but it's huge already. They, they do get big. Yeah. Yes, they can do, and they will grow bigger. And they're worth a lot of money. More leafy yeah. if they're in the shade. So mm. it will take full sun, Karen. Is it in uh, a pot? In the shade. They're, they're partly in the shade, but they're growing. It's, a, it's pretty old already. I think we haven't had it 20 years or so, I would say at least. But it keeps growing and growing and growing. <laughs> Is it in a pot or in the garden? No, it's in the in the garden. It's in in the ground, and of course, it's it's getting a bit cramped. Like we put everything too close when we planted it, as, we all, as most people do who have no idea what, ah, what they're doing. Well, this is this is what happens when you've been gardening for twenty years, and everything comes home to roost. Yeah, and mm, you right. you might need to have a look at your garden and look at the way forward. I mean, these are amazing plants, and they mm. can be worth a bit of money. They, well, I can sell it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can Certainly sell it. Certainly could. Are they, the roots are probably very big. Is the roots no, very big? No, not really. No. Uh-huh. no. Okay, that, but, and but I can't cut it in half. No. Really no. Good grief, no. They have colloid roots around the base. 
Uh-huh, but it will okay. it will be a big job. I don't think you would be the one to do it. I think you need to get someone to yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, and it's too close to other plants and uh, gold and, and the palm tree and, and, and. Uh, I've made so, we've done so many things wrong. <laughs> but, um, okay, but it's a very hardy one. I mean, I cut the, the, the bottom leaves, I cut always back because uh, they, they, they trace around the ground and, and they interfere with everything else. Now, so I think that's okay if I keep cutting the, the just the, the bottom the, branches yeah. away. But Karen, is it developing a trunk? Uh, it looks like it. Well, that's another thing because you may be able to manage it. I mean, these are desirable plants. Mm-hmm. It will take a bit of effort mm-hmm. to dig it out. So why not cut away the lower leaves and allow that trunk to form so that it actually grows uh-huh. a little bit tree-like and then you can manage the things around it. Yeah, you're right, actually. You're right. I know. It doesn't matter. I can, <laughs> I can cut a few more leaves back. I'm always a, a bit wary whether I should or should not, but then I will. Yeah, just um, they, mm-hmm. they put out their leaves in a flush, so you will probably get a new flush coming over the summer months, and mm-hmm. there would have been what leaves were put out in the last flush. It may be as many as 10 but then you could cut below that and then you could put a bit of mulch around and buy yourself a bit more space so the garden doesn't look so cluttered. Yeah, 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 that's what it does at the moment. Okay, great. Oh, thank you so much. And both of you, thank you so much for all this, your kind words and the help you're giving me. I'm, I'm really, really appreciate it a hell of a lot. So, you're Karen, no, just one thing at a time. Don't let it overwhelm you. Just pick one thing a week, make that your focus, sort that that week and then move on to something else. Don't let it overwhelm yes, you. I, I have to send you some more emails. I've got some more problems, but I have to send some photographs. Okay, so yep, for sure. <laughs> okay, thank Take you care. So Thanks, Karen. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank Bye you. for now. And Marlene has sent us an email of a plant. It's succulent. It looks spiky, so soft spiky. And it looks like an aloe. She says this plant she's had for some years and the first time this has appeared, can you tell me what it is? Uh, And it is an aloe of some type. When those flowers open up, we will be able to provide a better identification. But, oh, my goodness, they're they're lovely. Mm. I started thinning out one of my succulent Mm. gardens this week. Some of the plants have grown bigger than they need to for that space. Oh, my goodness, Ray. I got about a dozen aloes out of there. I got some agaves, some of the large jade plants. What are you going to do with it? Well, I have about 100 succulents in pots, so Mm. now I've got a better idea about what space they take up. Mm. I'm also going to start a jungle dinosaur garden. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Mm. Park. Mm -hmm. So, yes, another themed garden. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right. We look forward to hearing all about that. Mm. Been a good morning. Been a busy morning. Two hours here just goes so, so quickly. Big thanks to the team. Always want to shout out to uh, the lovely Bev Daring and John Glidden. Uh, They do an amazing job and aren't spoken highly enough of. And uh, we just want to say thank you. Uh, They are brilliant individually at the jobs that they do. And where would we be without them? And the same for you, Faye. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Can't be nice, see? All right, and uh, George Rinaldi is coming up next with the classic 60s. And my gardenism for the morning is, this is a longer one, the most noteworthy thing about gardeners is that they are always optimistic. 
That's you, Faye. Always enterprising and never satisfied. That's me. They always look forward to doing something better than they have ever done before. Mm, True, true. Now, can I say something too, Ray? Some people think the grass is greener on the other side. I think it's greener where you water it. I got that from John this morning. I can't take all the credit. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.